0: This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Healthcare Ministries. Are you finding it increasingly challenging to find affordable healthcare? Christian Healthcare Ministries is a budget-friendly, biblical, and compassionate healthcare cost-sharing alternative that aligns with your Christian values, and it's available in all 50 states and around the world. Learn more at chministries.org/faithby
1: The Fed has raised interest rates 10 times in the last 14 months, hoping to curb inflation. Will the latest rate hike tip us into recession? Hi, I'm Rob West. A lot of economists are scratching their heads these days over why the economy hasn't already slipped into recession. So it seems we're overdue, and today I'll talk with Lauren Geidek about a way you can be better prepared. Then it's on to your calls and questions at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, Biblical Wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, our guest, Lauren Guydeck is Vice President of Communications and Media at Christian Healthcare Ministries, an underwriter of this program, and Lauren, it's always great to have you with us.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be back on the show.
1: Well, we're glad to have you, Lauren. And one reason we always look forward to your visits is that you always have good news about an effective low-cost alternative to expensive health insurance. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I guess a little bad news, huh?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. Um, We don't know yet if the Federal Reserve is making a recession inevitable. So, The economy is continuing to grow at a modest rate, even with employment remaining strong. But the question is how long that will continue. Um, The conference board, which is a nonprofit business research group, is now predicting a 99 percent probability for a recession in the next 12 months.
1: Wow. Yeah. And one of the reasons employment numbers remain strong is that it's a lagging economic indicator. Of course, employers resist laying off people until they absolutely have to. But if recession hits, unemployment, of course, will go up and a lot of folks will lose employer sponsored health insurance. So what are the alternatives, Lauren, if that happens?
0: Yeah, there's a couple different things um, that folks can do. One option is called COBRA, and that is an extension of uh, the health coverage that you would have with your employer. Um, The downside of COBRA is that it can be very expensive because your employer is no longer subsidizing uh, the cost of your health care, so you are paying 100% of that. And then sometimes there's also An administrative fee. Um, Another thing that folks can do is they can go to uh, the healthcare marketplace at healthcare.gov. But again, you're going to find that um, unless you get a government subsidized plan, um, those can also be quite expensive. So I'm excited to share with you today that there's a third alternative, um, which is not insurance, but has the same end result in that your medical bills get taken care of, and that is Christian Health Care Ministries.
1: Yeah, and that's a great alternative. So tell us how medical cost-sharing works.
0: Sure. Um, So what health cost-sharing is, is is a way to take care of your medical expenses while you're sticking to your Christian beliefs and also to your budget, which, of course, everybody's very budget-conscious these days. Um, And we have several different programs. Our silver and bronze programs are essentially hospitalization and and surgery only. Um, And then we have our gold program, uh, which is a little bit more flexible. And uh, I can give you an example of, of how that would work. So Uh, let's just say that your uh, 10-year-old son um, was climbing a tree, fell out of the tree, and unfortunately suffered a bad break to his arm. So what would happen with Christian Healthcare Ministries is, um, you know, everything related to that incident under our GOLD program um, would be eligible for sharing. So, um, you know, that initial visit, you would probably go to the ER. um, So those costs, as well as, um, any medication that he might be prescribed, and then also, um, you know, when he would go back to the doctor to get his cast taken off, that would be an e- example of an eligible medical incident under our GOLD program.
1: Oh, Lauren, that's a really helpful example. So what would that cost?
0: Um, we do have different programs for different budgets, so an individual with CHM could expect to pay between 90 to $235 per month. We also have an extra program called Brother's Keeper. That's another $22 a month for any catastrophic health events that you might experience.
1: Wow, that's great information and really important for folks who are thinking about how they cover medical costs in a budget-friendly way. Lauren, thanks for stopping by.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Folks, CHM is not new on the block. They've been around since 1981. Over $9 billion shared in medical bills. If you want to get more information, learn more at chministries.org. That's chministries.org. We'll be right back.
0: Are you looking for a financial professional who aligns with your biblical values? Certified Kingdom Advisors are trusted financial, legal, or accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure they provide biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithby.com and clicking Find a CKA.
2: If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at FaithFi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at
1: FaithFi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. Welcome back. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls today, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. To Tampa, Florida we go. Jennifer, thank you for calling. Go right ahead.
2: I purchased money orders about 35 years ago, and I lost the receipt, and the bank changed uh, names a few times. The money orders are showing up in the Florida Unclaimed Property um, however, because I don't have proof of ownership, I cannot claim the money. Is there a workaround or a way around that so I can claim the money that has my name on it?
1: Hmm. Interesting. So it's really not about being able to cash them. It's about being able to prove to the state that they are, in fact, yours. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And what is the, uh, what led to these money orders? I mean, what's the background on why they were issued and how you uh, no longer have access to them?
2: So I purchased the money orders with the intent of giving them to others, but I never did. And then I just moved a few times and lost the money orders and the little receipts that come with it, the proof of purchase. Okay. So okay. I actually purchased the money orders.
1: Okay, but you don't have a receipt for them and you're not in physical possession of them? Correct. Okay. Uh, so you just have a, a rough idea of when you bought them and they're showing as unclaimed property and you can match them back to that date, but you just don't have the documentation. I wonder if there's a an old bank statement that could be generated. Uh, did you get them you know out of your account uh with a an old bank? Yes. Okay. And then I know that you said that bank has changed hands a couple of times or been purchased, uh, but obviously all those documents on whoever the current bank is that, uh, you know, purchased that bank, even if it was two or three names ago, would have access to all of those historical records. You could request them as a previous account holder. I wonder if that might be the documentation you need to go after, which is the amount actually coming out of your account, that uh, syncs up with the face value of those money orders that you're seeing as unclaimed property. I mean, the whole idea behind unclaimed property, which is regulated by each state, is that they want to get that back in the rightful hands of the owner. And so if you're saying, listen, these are mine. I bought them. I can tell you when I bought them, under what bank they were purchased under, and now you know, I, uh, even though I don't have the documentation, I am that person, have them tell you what they'd like you to do to be able to to verify that. And I'm wondering if perhaps trying to chase down uh, those historical bank uh, statements might be the very best way.
2: It sounds good to me. I'll try
1: that. <laughs> okay, very good. So I think you need to go to the current bank, whoever that bank is, and say, listen, I was account holder, and this month of this year when you were under this name, I need to know how do I get access to those historical electronic statements. I know it might take a while, but I need to put that request in in whatever way I need to so that I can be able to document uh, these money orders that I uh, had uh, coming out of my account and then use that to go to the state of Florida and try to justify that. So, wow, that's a tough one, Jennifer. I hope uh, we wish you all the best in that. I know that uh, can be frustrating, but it'll be worth it <laughs> once you get it done. And here's the end. At the end of the day, they want to get that money to the rightful person. So I think if you go through these steps, you'll end up being able to get it. Uh, Let us know how that turns out. Uh, To Iowa. Hi, Phil. Go right ahead, sir. Hey,
2: uh, thanks for taking the call. I have a question regarding uh, how to use some funds coming up, given some of the instability in the stock market, uh, inflation and all of that. I'm 67, plan to retire around 70 and a half. Um, I have about 100000 in the stock market, and we are debt-free, and I'm wondering about possibly taking some of our uh, stock market funds and using them for capital improvements on our house. We have a barn, a small farm, uh, just doing some of the things around the house rather than Possibly losing some of it or all of it in the
1: stock market. Your thoughts? Hmm. Yeah. So the hundred thousand is where this would come from for the capital improvements. Is that right? Correct. All right, and that's the extent of your investable assets.
2: That's correct.
1: Yep. Okay. And how much would you be looking to pull out for these capital improvements?
2: Um, I'm thinking maybe twenty to thirty.
1: Okay. And are you, uh, is this something you really want to do, need to do quickly, or could you wait up to a year?
2: Uh, we could wait.
1: Yeah. Okay, I mean, my perspective, even though there's there's a lot of headwinds out there there's a lot of things we could point to and say, yeah, that's a problem, and this is a problem over here, and the Federal Reserve has been printing money pretty quickly, and our debts sky high and we've got uh, you know a a debate coming up this summer about the debt ceiling and interest rates and inflation and the money supply and the u s dollar <laughs> you've got a lot of things, and yet on the world stage the u s is still in for all intents and purposes, the strongest position. Do we have some problems, if not, that if left unaddressed could result in, you know, some some real challenges economically, potentially a default on our debt? Yes, but I think that's all down the road. I don't see that happening anytime soon. There's no replacement for the U.S. dollar on the world stage. Um, you know, we are still the largest economy. Uh, now, we need pro-growth policies. We need a return to understanding God's design for economies and wealth creation and the value of human life and productivity and the virtuous cycle that all of that creates. And I think we need a low tax environment. And, you know, there's a lot of things we can do to rein in spending at a federal level and try to, you know, get our debt coming down. We've got demographics challenges longer term. But despite all of that, I think the very best place for you to build wealth and overcome the effects of inflation, which are real, is in that stock and bond portfolio. And I don't think this is the time while stocks are on sale for you to sell out. Now, if we thought a collapse of some kind was imminent, that, you know, this was a house of cards, we, you know, had a, a real major potential for a, a default here in the United States in the near future, uh, then that would be different. I don't think any of that's true. The economists, godly economists that I trust would agree with that. That's, that's much further down the road. And if that's the case, then selling while stocks are on sale and bonds too, for that matter, would not be a good choice because we'd be realizing those losses and preventing yourself from the ability to see it recover. And that's usually what happens when we get into a bear market. People say, enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. And then six months or a year later, they're watching how the market's recovered, gone to new highs, and their money's on the sideline. They took the losses but didn't participate in the recovery. So what I would say is you've got an advisor. That's great. I'd stay the course. I'd keep a long-term perspective. If the Lord tarries and you're in good health, even at 70 and a half, you're going to need this money to last for decades. So we don't have to take a short-term view on it. We can take a long-term view and with the long-term in mind, that is, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, um, you know, this portfolio is going to do well, I think. And if we get to the place where there's some real potential problems that are imminent, well, obviously, we can react at that point. So I guess all that to say – you know, it's your money. You're the steward of it. I'd pray and and follow the Lord's leading. But if you're not having a sense of clear direction, I think conventional wisdom says you stay the course. And then maybe once it's recovered, you get the advisor to get you a little more conservative, including pulling out that money, maybe twenty or thirty thousand for those improvements. How does that sound?
2: That sounds really good. Uh, uh, one question is with the yen possibly overtaking the U.S. dollar as standard. Um, Yeah, that was kind of what got me going
1: not anywhere close to that It's just there's just too much uh, manipulation of currency there for it to be a legitimate alternative right now That's way down the road if it's even possible. Thanks for your call. Phil. We'll be right back
2: Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back with costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do
1: you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And uh, here's the website chministries.org. Ministries.org. As the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry, Kingdom Advisors serves the public by promoting the integration of a biblical worldview across every aspect of the financial services industry. And we serve a growing network of thousands of Christian financial professionals, equipping and empowering them to carry biblical financial wisdom to their clients, peers, and community. For more information, visit KingdomAdvisors.com. That's KingdomAdvisors.com. You're listening to Faith and Finance, where we talk about how we handle God's resources. How are you using God's resources? We're talking about it, and the lines are open to take your calls and questions. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. To James in Indianapolis, go right ahead, sir.
3: Hey, Rob. Thanks for taking the call. Um, All right. So I just recently found my way back to Christ within the past couple of months. I'm 23. Uh, I was Doordash and Ubering to make money, but I totaled my car this past week,
1: mm-hmm. so I'm
3: kind of lost. I'm just kind of looking to figure out how to attack life, whether it be from home or or what. Uh, I've got a degree in cybersecurity, I'm trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, boy, I'm so sorry to hear that, James. Um, do you have a mode of transportation now, or is it? Did you have insurance?
3: Uh, it was. I had insurance. It was a lease,
1: though, so uh-huh. I don't get anything for it yet. Okay. All right. And um, do you, are you currently employed under your degree and in, in the work that you have in cybersecurity, or are you still kind of out there looking on the job market?
3: No, it's it's been difficult to find a job. Um, I'm going back to school just to get a four-year, but most companies require a four-year or they require experience, but to get experience, you have to get hired. So it's kind of this counterintuitive system, I guess.
1: Yeah. And what is your means of supporting yourself in the meantime?
3: I'm just blessed to have my parents, I guess, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, obviously that is a blessing, but we need to make the most of it, right? And so this is an opportunity for you to leverage what is still a pretty strong job market and get out there and do whatever you have to do to get some income coming in while you, you know, figure out where you're going to go from here. Um, You know, are you going to have to borrow to go back to school?
3: Uh, yeah,
1: I, I borrowed
3: from, uh, from my parents, so I'll pay them back. Um, I applied for a country club down the road that I could bike to, uh, just to kind of network maybe with people who are in IT. Okay.
1: Yeah, there you go. I I like that idea. Are you leveraging the online job listings?
3: Uh, not as much as I should be.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, I think that's really the big idea here is that looking for your next job is your full-time job. And so you need to not only leverage every network you have, and I like the idea of bringing in some income and perhaps, uh, you know, having access to a clientele that might know of something. At the same time, you know, majority of uh, jobs are being filled uh, online right now. And so you could be out there applying for all kinds of things. And given that you have experience in the cybersecurity area, uh, potentially you could even find somewhere you could work remotely. Um, Are you sensing that that's long term where you'd like to be if you had the right job? Or are you thinking that perhaps that may not be the thing that lines up with your passions and skill set?
3: no yeah i i want to be a uh i want to be a penetration tester ethical hacker so i've been kind of breaking technology since i was four or five so it's kind of definitely right up my alley it's just i find it difficult because i feel like i get automatically filtered out by uh the hr hiring ai or whatever you know they see no four-year degree then go on to the next
1: yeah uh, I guess that would be the next step is to determine how important that is. I mean, and there are other certifications that might be more directly in line with the work that you're doing that would be even more Uh, desirable on the part of an employer than just a general four-year degree. I don't know, Um, but that would be worth looking into because perhaps you could go, you know, take some classes specifically around a certification that might uh, shorten the timeline, less cost, and give you, you know, on-the-job skills that you could deploy immediately that would be seen as valuable uh, for a company. So perhaps you need to get out there on Monster or Indeed and just start scouring each of these jobs that are available in this space just to see what the prerequisites are. Do you feel like you have a sense of that, whether there's a particular certification or training program that might be more valuable than a four-year degree? Or just based on the work you've done to this point, do you feel like the four degree, four-year degree is critical?
3: Yeah, um, there are definitely certifications. Uh, I already have a few, but the four-year degree, kind of what happens is HR uh, requires it. So yeah. I feel like it's just kind of an older system for IT, whereas the certificates definitely matter more than the degree. But okay. the hiring process for the company, the how it works, or whatever the legalities are, they still require it. Yeah, so and how, like much are, like
1: how much do you owe on student loans? Uh, nothing. Okay, and how much will you need to borrow to finish out your degree?
3: Uh, only forty four hundred. So it's, it'd be through WGU, which okay. I'm going to try and just get my bachelor's in six months.
1: Well, it, it sounds like you've got a plan here. I mean, at least you know where you're headed, what you want to do. Obviously, it's a job. You know, it's a uh, a profession that uh, is going to be around and increasing in viability and importance in the. Uh, the job markets of the future, and just given where our, um, you know, the the role of uh, technology in our society, so that's good. I mean, it's there's a bright future there. It sounds like you have a plan to get this on a reasonable cost basis. You're not going to have to take on thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of debt. I think the key for you right now is to, you know, take advantage of this job you've got, start networking, get some money coming in, start saving, use this time while mom and dad are being very gracious to you, uh, to, you know, <laughs> build up a, a nest egg that when you're ready to go out on your own, you've got some money for maybe a first, last, and security and to go ahead and buy that car that you need to get around that type of thing. Um, but let's continue just to scour the web and see if there aren't other opportunities in your field that you could get in the meantime, especially if they know you're pursuing a degree, they might look at it as an opportunity to get in early with you. So, uh, make this a matter of prayer. Uh, you keep on the track you're going and I'm confident you'll get there when you get that job and you're, uh, you're finally on board. Give us a call back and let us know. But I I think, James, uh, this is the time for you to just kind of keep your head down and, uh, you know, make some things happen. Uh, take every opportunity to let folks know what your skill set is, and let's see what the Lord does. We appreciate you being on the program. All right, quickly back to the phones. Miami. Hi, Joyce. Go ahead. Um, could you um, tell me a little bit something about the high bonds? I spoke to you before, but, yeah. you know—
2: Tell, tell me about
1: it. I want to get like $1,000 for one year. Sure. Yeah, you can put in up to 10000 per person per calendar year. The only way you get in more is through a tax refund. You could get an additional 5000 You have to buy them electronically, Joyce, so you'd go to treasurydirect.gov. You'll set up an account, and then you'll transfer the money in, however much you want to purchase, up to $10,000 uh, for the year, and when you do that, then you'll purchase the electronic bonds. Now, these are 30-year bonds, 20 years with a 10-year extension, but you can pull the money out after 12 months. You just have to leave it there for a year. Um, it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, so as long as it's money where you have a more than a one-year time horizon but probably less than three to five years... Um, I would say that's a good option for you. Again, treasurydirect.gov. Well, that does it for us today. I'm Rob West. Thanks to our amazing production team and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time right here on Faith and Finance.
2: Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.